I'd like to welcome you to the Jed Hughes Podcast. Each episode will feature a unique leader and will delve into the qualities that inspire greatness, galvanize organizations, and teach the next generation of aspiring leaders. Jed ran the process that resulted in the hiring of Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Masai Uzuri. Now, according to Forbes, Jed is the most connected man in sports. Our guest today is incredible with relationships. He treats people with respect and genuine sincerity. Eric Neander, the president of baseball operations for the Tampa Bay Rays, has led his organization to winning the American League division. Not an easy feat when you have the Yankees, Red Sox, and now Toronto Blue Jays in your division. And you have one of the lowest payrolls in Major League Baseball. He's done it by engineering trades. 72 trades with 174 players involved in the last four years, along with 34 being on the current roster. Their use of analytics, player development, scouting, and the number one farm system is unparalleled. It's given them an advantage to be successful on the field between the lines. Our guest, Eric Neander. Welcome, friends. Sports fans, whether you follow baseball or not, you've obviously know the Yankees, the Red Sox, now the Toronto Blue Jays. Tampa Bay, under the leadership of Eric Neander, our guest has done amazing things using analytics, using different tools, and being able to win the American League division this year, which is, uh, from the standpoint of their payroll and what they've been able to do with their farm system, is incredible. And we're fortunate to have Eric as our guest today and try and understand his background and some of this magic sauce that they've used in order to uh, be able to compete last year in the World Series, and this year hopefully winning it. So, Eric, talk a little bit about you and the commissioner from Upper State, New York, and uh, how do you end up at Virginia Tech? Thanks. I hope not to disappoint after that, <laughs> that opening. The, I'm gonna, we're going to have to run those expectations down a bit. But, uh, yeah, I, I grew up in – I was born outside of D.C., moved to upstate New York when I was 9, 10 years old to be closer to my mom's family, and that's, you know, what I call home. and where my mom still calls home. But uh, yeah, I, I grew up, I played baseball, loved baseball. You know, that was my passion. You know, it's what I, it's what I love to do. I would have loved to play it as long as I could have. Unfortunately, I had some shoulder issues in high school, some surgeries that didn't go as planned. And uh, it, it stopped the ability to carry that any further. But which, in hindsight, probably a blessing. Got me started on different paths a little bit sooner because uh, the baseball one wouldn't have gone much, uh, much more in a few years into college. But um you know, Virginia Tech was a place where, you know, if medically I could get cleared, which didn't look likely. Um, I'd have a chance to, to compete, to walk on, to do whatever it may be at that point. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do academically. Baseball was much more a concern and go into a larger place and right or wrong, that was my priority at the time. Uh, but I had more of a knack, I think, for science academically. Uh, math, science were more of natural strengths, interests, and 
the chance to, to go there to study engineering and to be in a place where I'd have a chance to potentially play uh, was, was attractive. And the decision I made very late my senior year is, you know, options dwindled and so on relative to health. So that's how I ended up there. And I never played there, uh, as it turned out. And I did fine with my academics and engineering, but I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do uh, after about a year, year and a half of being on campus. So all the reasons I went there were gone real quick, but <laughs> I love the community, love the area and ran it out. And somehow, some way, I think it helped shape me to who I am now and why I'm doing this. You join an organization with a raise that have all these investment bankers. I mean, here, here you are. I mean, they're at Wall Street doing all these things and, and you join uh, as an intern and are able to kind of work your way up. Talk about that path of how they gave you opportunities and what that culture is like, because clearly you're an upbeat, inspiring type of uh, leader. And that type of enthusiasm and staying positive has been part of the reason I believe your team's been successful. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that. And yeah, my, a lot of people that find their way in the sports, the, a lot of the paths are different. They're unique. Mine certainly. So the, the state school, uh, no playing experience nor the high school combo is not exactly the, uh, the premier pipeline. I <laughs> think when you, when you look around and, uh, certainly was surrounded by a lot of people, uh, with the raise that I think resumes to date were more accomplished than, than mine by, by comparison. Um, you know, I just, I've, I've had a passion for the game. I've, I've always, I think, been a critical thinker. I've, you know, been very curious about how the game was played, but also as respect the competition side of the game and the human side of the game. And going to the Rays, it was a place where um, I, I was appreciated. I, I, I put the work in. I was curious, asked a lot of questions, tried to just do whatever was asked to me. And luckily, that was recognized. Um, and I, I think going there, I don't know if I am where I am now without all the people around me and all that I learned from anyone that I, that I worked with. So, uh, it, it, you know, in terms of the environment, it was just, it was a very open-minded, curious culture that at the time was kind of in the infancy stages of Stu Sternberg's ownership, Andrew Friedman, Matt Silverman, and just a lot of people trying to, to make it better and, you know, receptive to ideas of all sorts and from all, you know, levels of the, the ladder, you know, the hierarchy within the organization. And I suppose a few of them that I threw out there, they liked enough to keep me around and still working on that. I mean, do you think there are a couple of things that you did that really kind of stood out that allowed you to progress uh, in the organization? Um, I mean, clearly right. they would never let you were a person. Yeah. And whenever we did searches, they never let anybody talk to. So yeah. clearly after they <laughs> lost Andrew, after they lost Andrew, they were putting the handcuffs on Eric and, and not yeah. allowing him to go. I mean, they've just named you president here in September again, yeah. just in case. Yeah. Some teams decide they want to use the president title, so I mean they're protecting. Uh, this is uh, it, mutual, you know. I've they've they've been good to me. They've been good to my family. I've from the beginning, like I said, I, I didn't come in with a resume that warranted a whole lot of attention. You know, just candidly, like compared to others, and and I just I was for you know a variety of reasons just appreciated there, and that's something that means a lot to me, you know. And uh, I appreciate that, and that's something that. Uh, you know, I want to, to reciprocate the commitments and, and, and the things along those lines. And so that's all been well and good. And I, I, I don't I don't know. I, I came in. Uh, it was an internship when I started. I was eventually I was turned down for a few opportunities, got to meet a, quite a few people, the baseball ops group through those experiences. 
was eventually hired maybe just because they said fine like just so you can stop <laughs> mugging us uh to help james click build a, a database um and so to kind of get the the first version of our database off the ground here which is if you asked me how i get to the baseball that wasn't anywhere on a list of the hundred things i would have guessed you know prior but i suppose for those reasons just the willingness to do whatever I needed to do to learn new skills, to help learn them quickly enough uh, to actually contribute. I'd like to think it played some role in them allowing me to stay around. But yeah, my, my entry point to the organization was nowhere near what I would have expected, but it also afforded me the opportunity to develop skills that I don't think I would have ever prioritized. And then as time went on, I think my yeah, just appreciation for the game. I, I like the details of the game. I like to, to watch what's going on in the field and how it's played. And But to pair that with, I do think I have an analytical mind and that's just kind of how it works. And to gather some experiences that are more on that side and you know to have those merge over time as I took on more opportunity, I think probably played a big part as to why I, I got more opportunity. When you think about the analytics piece yeah. and then you transpose the farm system, player development, scouting, all those pieces, how do you get yourself connected in those areas so that you know you can take on this enormous role? It takes time. You know, I think the fact that I've been here, big on relationships, you know, I think ultimately my job is just to make sure people care about theirs. And uh, by being here as long as I have, I've I've built a lot of relationships just by way of having that time in many in many seasons. I also think yeah, I, I don't tried to be pretty practical about it you can't you can't force that you can't fake it <laughs> you can't there's a lot of grounds here to cover and um you, you you bite off what you can as you go and i i think i stayed pretty true to whatever was needed me at a given time um to focus on on those people and those tasks and i think just as i went along they expanded and they they went out and you know involved more groups in, in different areas but i think even to this day you know i've had certain experiences i've always been more in the office i've I was always focused more on our major league team and the roster and the the player personnel side of things. Um, I didn't have as much exposure to player development. I didn't have as much exposure to international and those relationships, I think even now aren't quite as strong because of my experiences. But um, like I said, I don't try to force it. I just try to continue to stay at it, to build at it. And just to be honest with myself about where I am, you know, any step along the way through that journey. And, you know, to this day, I'm still trying to build those relationships and those connections because we got 300 people. It's not practical to get that deep across the board, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pretend otherwise. 300 people on the baseball operations side. Yeah, yeah roughly. I think. However, you want to draw the lines. Maybe there's some gray area in terms of where exactly okay. they are, but it's it, it it's a big group. But when you think about from our office staff, our leadership uh, executives to player development to our scouting branches, um, international, domestic, the whole thing. It's it. Yeah, it runs up there quickly, you know, and I, I think, you know, our clubhouse staffs and the people that are around each affiliate in our major league club, you know, they're, they're all part of it. You know, we, we, we consider them all part of it. So I suppose how you account for it, that, that number could move around, but wherever you want to put it, it's big. <laughs> how have you been able to build your farm system and sustain that? Great question. I, I think we've, we've benefited from a lot of continuity and stability. And with it, there hasn't been complacency. There's There's been a real pride in the work that's there and what's been accomplished, but also a real desire to continue to improve. We were fortunate. Mitch Lukovics was our longtime farm director, uh, predated me by many years, deserves a tremendous amount of credit for the infrastructure, the organization, the direction, the accountability for all that was established there uh, over time. 
you know, we've continued to have more people involved, but I think for us and, and, and where we are now, it's just appreciating that we have to have that in a really strong position in order to compete at the major league level. And the benefits of all those efforts typically aren't felt immediately. They're felt years later uh, as, as you go through this, but it's always been something that's been a priority. It's often been described as the lifeblood of the organization and uh, not just how we develop players, but also all the various pipelines, you know, to bring talent in the organization, <laughs> getting those running on all cylinders. Um, and I, I feel really good about where we are on those fronts, the players we bring in and then the people we have coaching them up as we go. And, Certainly, once you have a little success, it does make some of the messaging easier. It's a little easier to find some buy-in throughout, but um, you know you got to keep working to make sure that that doesn't back up on you. When you take hitting and pitching at the major league level, how do you ensure that that's being done with your different teams in the in the farm system? Yeah, I think uh, kind of to what I, I spoke to before about the relationships. There's some there's some element of trust in that, you know, I'm, I, I can't tell you top to bottom, you know, the hitting plans for every, a lot's individualized, but I can't tell you top to bottom, every philosophy that we have for each player with our major league team and, you know, what they are for each stop along the way, the minor league team. I think there's, there's just some basic attributes when it comes to our intentions, our philosophies, the open-mindedness, um, the idea exchange that to me, a lot that I focus on is making sure that there's enough alignment and trust for people to exchange ideas and to, and to evolve and to learn from one another uh, in those experiences to shape all the individual components that go on to helping the many individuals that are in place. So, you know, that, that's something where to me, it's the communication trust, making sure that the people that are more directly involved in those areas are directly connected to one another. And if they are trusting that, the individual work and the stuff that's done on a more micro level is is successful because of that. When you think about analytics, uh, both from the in-game play strategy perspective yeah. and then from a talent uh, point of view, your ability to do trades has been amazing. I mean, the people you've acquired, how do you put asset values on potential people that you want to acquire and people within your organization, you may trade. It's a great question. When you make as many trades as as we do, you're gonna you're gonna get some that, that look good. You're gonna get plenty that, that don't. It's uh, <laughs> just the what what comes with it. You know that that process. I think we have a reputation as being a very measured organization with a lot of our our decisions. You know, across the board. That's, you know, that's kind of the foundation and kind of our jump off point for a lot of the decisions we make. But there's there's a lot of additional considerations and, and human expertise that is that is layered onto that. And, you know, we try to do that as consistently as possible. But you know, we like I said, we are we are measured, but then we use all the time available to us to take all the expertise we have, the different perspectives to really try to beat that up, vet it and apply any feelings we have systematically across that that initial foundation of the measured you know feedback so um it's an ever-evolving approach i do think like i said we tend to be grounded in whatever is evidence-based and what we can you know that, that is statistically can you give an example so speak, of that? but can you give an example um without, i'm trying to think what without yeah yeah without, without, uh, I, i'm is, covering the shed the secret the secret yeah. sauce up front you know that okay. you talked about i'm gonna eliminate those expectations here with our major league roster, you know, and, and looking to, you know, when you're anticipating performance and, and what's ahead, you know, just about any source of information we have historically, we're going to, we're going to test it. We're going to see if what 
is in and of itself predictive and what is predictive given the, all the other information we know. And, you know, that, that information, it can be things from a, you know, a stat line, you know, that, that exists from, you know, a strikeout rate to a walk rate to a, you know, an exit velocity and all the, there's plenty of talk on that now, but it, it's also the, you know, it's your scouts, it's your reports. It's, it's all the feedback you have trying to put that in a position to, to test it, you know, to see what is most helpful and then to, you know, um, to rely on that and the parts that aren't to continue to adapt and evolve to figure out exactly how to best leverage and incorporate all that expertise. So, you know, that's something where we take as much of the information we have historically, what we can test, what shows to have any sort of predictive benefits. Um, that's, that's usually our starting point. And then from there we continue, you know, every situation's unique. There's such a case by case element to all this. We can't pretend that we're, we're covering anything just by that initial effort to be evidence-based and, we'll still apply our intuitions, you know, we'll still apply any correcting that, that we want to do after the fact. And that's a very nuanced process that involves a lot of different people and probably not something I feel all that comfortable going any deeper yeah, than that. But you know, <laughs> there's some humility there, you know, uh, plenty of judgments that were layered in at that last step that we're proud of and plenty that we wouldn't mind taking back. But that's the nature of the work. Talk about analytics, how it works with baseball. I mean, I obviously. The game, people are saying there's too much statistics involved in the game and it's you know, need to get back to more of the human element. So how are you able to work with your manager who you have yeah. a tremendous relationship with yeah. and be able to help him and at the same time micromanage? I think my own personal definition of analytics and one that I think has been cultivated by, by people here is just conceptually thinking about that is is putting ourselves in a position to be able to test our beliefs and, and really trying to, you know, to be in a position to, you know, to document our thoughts, to, to be able to look back and to reflect upon them and to, to be in a position to see, you know, how do we do, you know, and that is something that is, that extends so far beyond numbers. You know, it's a lot of getting into all the opinions and the intuitions that exist in this game and for good reason. And it's just all about being in a position to test our beliefs. And that's something that, that extends to how we operate our major league club and the decisions that Kevin makes. But you, to, to be in a position to test your beliefs, you got to give them the freedom to act on their beliefs. <laughs> you know? So uh, we have a great relationship. We, I think, are aligned in, in many respects about how we think about things um, and our willingness to adapt as we learn more very quickly. Um, you know, we have our you know, kind of our, our core beliefs and who we are as people, and I think we're pretty well defined. We're secure in that, but we recognize that there are plenty of missteps along the way and let's just be in a position to adapt to grow, to evolve. And, and Kevin is as good as I've seen of having the confidence and the strength to manage a major league clubhouse, but in that strength, also having the humility to adapt and to grow um, as he gains more experience. And, you know, we talk a lot, but ultimately at the end of the day, the decision he makes, um, I'm a very big believer that that's, that's his dugout. And he, the decisions that he makes has to be things that he believes in. Because he's ultimately accountable to that group. He's the one looking him in the eyes. And, you know, for those relationships to, to be where they need to be for that group to play hard for him, I think that's the only way that, that you can do it. And he has the freedom to make those decisions. And like I said, to go back to test our theories, our decisions, how do they hold up over time and those beliefs, that's ongoing, you know, and that informs a lot of the way that he continues to evolve as a manager. The World Series Game 6 gets plenty of attention, certainly, and totally, totally understand that. But I, you know, I, I, every time I've said this, I don't think anyone truly believes me, but that was, that was his decision, you know, fully and, and totally and was shaped by all the experiences he's had prior with that group. 
How often do you communicate during the season? Daily and multiple times a day. We're we're pretty close to each other. It 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 varies. You know, there's times a year where there's my attentional shift to the draft, you know, or my attentional shift to the trade deadline and really spending more time with our staff. Obviously he's still plugged in on what's going on there, but the daily, you know, higher percentage of that time is allocated elsewhere. Um, but certainly this time of year coming down the stretch in September and into the postseason, it's it's regular, you know, it's it's constant. And as much of that on my end is just to make sure I'm supporting him properly, getting ahead of conversations and topics uh, that need to be discussed with the rest of our staff and just trying to put him in a position where he can worry about what he needs to worry about, not a lot of the other stuff that also comes into play. Is it personnel or is it uh, strategy? That is- the strategy part of it, less so. He engages a lot more with our staff and you know we have some people in the office that he talks to on a regular basis and that help to shame, shape some of his thoughts. I'm involved in it. Um, but tend to be more focused on the personnel side of thing. And, you know, even just how we want to take care of our players, how we want to travel in the postseason, the family component, you know, <laughs> all of those other details that are very relevant this time of year to try to allow our players and staff the best experience possible while keeping the focus where it should be. That's all stuff to make sure that we're ahead of it. It's not a, it's not a stress of any sort on his back, and he can focus on keeping these guys ready to go and, you know, where they need to be going in the postseason. How do you manage the load aspects in terms of pitchers and, and uh, everyday players? Yeah, um, ever-evolving. When in doubt, I, we've, we've erred on the side of caution on being careful, certainly this year. And our, rest, you know, our, our roster is one that, especially now, you know, our, our rotation is very young. You know, a lot of people that are getting chunks of innings, we have a lot of young pitchers coming off of the year last year that we had with the lost season. You know, you have the alternate site just kind of your taxi squad for those that aren't, you know, don't closely follow baseball, but we only had the 60 game season last year. You know, it's very disruptive, you know, and this year you're coming out back to a full season and what types of workloads to put on them. There's a lot of thoughts and theories, but there, there isn't a whole lot that's rooted in like hard evidence. And so, you know, you just try to feel your way through that. You you are very individualized. Kyle Snyder, a pitching coach does a wonderful job of being in, you know, very close contact and, and really in tune with, our pitchers, how they're bouncing back, you know, how they're maintaining strength through outings, how long it's taking them to to recover post outings. You know, that's all stuff that it informs you, you know, but it's it's a little more art, it's a little more feel because you just everyone's a little different. And when it comes to injury prevention, you know, we've, we've got a lot of players on the IL. Um, yes. We've got some <laughs> we, we can, there's plenty of room for improvement. But because of that, I think we we've cited on the you know, we've been on the side of, of carrying and airing with these young arms on the side of being a little more careful, trying to keep a little more fresh than we might otherwise. And thankfully, where we are in the standings right now and having things wrapped up, we do have the opportunity to really make sure these guys are fresh going into October and hopefully preparing for a, a full month of baseball there. When you're thinking about hitting and how you teach it and what you're looking for, what are the two or three components that are really important to you when it comes to evaluating a I hit a battle. So this plays a little bit on both sides of all there. There's been such an information explosion within the game um, and, and the amount of information data that's, that's available. It's grown exponentially. You know, there's, there's a lot when it comes to, to forecasting performance that can get very complicated. You know, there's a lot that you want to sort through because anything that is predictive, you want to be able to be in a position utilizing human expertise data, whatever it may be. When it comes to, 
competing when it comes to our hitters and our players pretty big on making sure that there's not a whole lot going on in the head when you're competing. <laughs> you know, it's all that, all the the information, like I said, it's involved in our the forecasting element of it. But you know, this game's fast. This game's hard. And ultimately at the end of the day of making sure to me, again, a lot of it's individualized. I like to make sure that that our players don't have a whole lot going up going on in their head as they're walking to the box, as they're getting to the mound. Um, because I think that's where you have to be as an athlete to be able to perform. That's not the time to think. That's not the time to process. So mechanically, um, we have people that are, you know, on staff that are more in tune with mechanics. We have people that are more in tune with data. Our, you know, our hitting coaches, Chad Matola, our major league coaches, as good as I've seen of building relationships and developing and working in the language of each individual player as they go and, and to stay in that space. And so much of it's confidence building, you know, this is a game about confidence, you know, at that level. And there's a time for data. There's a time, you know, to me, that's to make sure things don't stray too far off track from who a hitter is, you know, at their best, but so much of when these guys are right, it's, it's, it's confidence and it's having a clear mind. Leadership wise, when you think about the people you've been around, what's helped shape your leadership and how do you look at that as it relates to owners, uh, people that report yeah. to you, the players. I'm going to miss plenty. Uh, I'll start. <laughs> I'll start with that. But I would say, you know, I, I've been fortunate to be here. You know, 2007 is an intern all the way through that, and for many reasons, I, that I've been really fortunate to have that experience and to be treated well here. But at the same time, within this space, that's all I've seen. You know, so um, within. Some of the the the, the greatest influence to me, Andrew Friedman, who's now with the Dodgers. Um, he was someone that, you know, early on um, saw enough in me to expose me to a lot of things. Frankly, I think earlier than what was warranted based on what I had underneath me, exposed me to a lot. And and there's a lot a brilliant mind with respect to the game and how he thinks about things. But his ability to, I think, just to, to care for people, to converse, you know, and to connect with many different types of people and perspectives um, and to have the respect of a lot of different people in our organization, no matter their backgrounds, the versatility of his approach was something that, that I valued. And, and a lot of the little things, you know, looking out for, you know, a birthday here and there, you know, helping people feel appreciated, helping them feel a part of it was something that above and beyond um, his, his baseball expertise is something that stayed with me. I think, our organization and Stu Sternberg, our owner, the, this, he's had a very steady hand. We've had plenty of success, certainly, you know, in the, the Rays era, so to speak, but he's been, he's, he, he provides space. He lets people work. He's let me work. You know, my, I was promoted to general manager. We've had one year where we've won less than 80 games, I think, since 2008. Um, we won 60. I care not to remember the number 67, maybe. <laughs> that was the year I got promoted, you know, and, 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 and the steadiness to, you know, to not being in a game where it's tempted to be overreacting to recent results and all the emotions that come with it, his steadiness to allow a stable path to be developed here is something I tried to to carry out through the rest of our organization. Um, his commitment to people, the loyalty to people, giving people space to do their jobs, you know, is is something that's been big and is a lesson that I've tried to, you know, I haven't done this that long. And with that, you want to kind of have your hands in everything and you got a lot of energy and all that and, and really trusting people to do their job. And if he can give me the autonomy to do a lot of my job, who am I to not, you know, I need to allow other people, you know, to, to have those same experiences. And so that's, that's been vague and just shaping kind of at a high level, how I, I tend to think about things. And 
certainly, you know, Heimblum, James Click, people I worked side by side with and, and really grew up within their A's organization. Um, those are those are people that, that have taught me, you know, endless amounts about the game itself. We've had people here that were part of the Double Rays era. I've been there from, you know, been here from the beginning. And you look at everything this franchise has experienced. There's <laughs> there's a lot of wisdom, you know, that can come with that ride. And the Mitch Lukovics, the R.J. Harrison, people like that, um, you know, have have been huge for that perspective as well. So, a lot of what I've taken is less about the specifics of baseball and a lot more about management and how to treat people and and how to get them to to be as passionate as possible about their work and and their ability to contribute. Accountability. Yeah. When you give somebody a lot of rope, how do you yeah. hold them accountable? I don't. I. I Careful to see. Anytime I hear someone talking about being a hands-off manager, I worry that means you're a detached manager. I don't like to say that. It's like I like to give people space. I think hands-off. It's like no, that doesn't mean ignoring them. You know, it's a great question. I, I don't know. I'm not sure how good I am at being really firm and organized when it comes to accountability and deadlines. I do like to give people their own space and as long as the, the motor's running high, <laughs> you know, and there's and the communications up, there's some flexibility in terms of how that how that's done. To me, the the when speaking about accountability, it's more in, you know, are you responsive to the people you supervise? Do you, you know, how do you handle conflict? You know, do you um, you know, how do you work through conflict? How do you work through differences of opinions to help shape our philosophies and our beliefs? I, I, I try to hold people more accountable in, in those ways, first and foremost, because, you know, our ideas change, you know, our philosophies change. They're ever, they're ever evolving. And as long as, you know, that parts in trust, that's, that, that are, those things are in place. That's what builds the trust that allows people to have those disagreements productively and, you know, and to grow and evolve our, our approach. Um, I, I don't, you know, we have some deadlines. We have a calendar, certainly, that we all have to abide to. But I really spend a lot more time focusing on how people respect the staff they, they supervise. And there's plenty of room for improvement in that and really focus on the accountability there. Less, more that than the specifics of how they run the department and how they organize and structure things, because I think that's very secondary to the first part. It sounds like, from your perspective, what's important to you in the people that you work with is how they treat people, what their passion level is, what their energy is, and being positive and thinking about yeah. moving forward as opposed to blaming someone for what happened in the past. I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I we're fluid, you know, this is, there's, we're wrong a lot, you know, and and I think having an environment where that's okay, where that's understood, it's not an excuse, you know, <laughs> still, but I think having having a culture where we there's it, it's okay to to speak up to suggest something without fear of retribution, you know, or fear how that's going to be perceived, or you know, it's it's about trying to be better, less whether or not each individual attempt is successful or a failure. You know, it's the effort to try to do sure. things and to really make sure that's installed. We have we have 300 people, and if they're you know, or whatever, however you want to define it, but getting all of those people to a point this is idealistic it doesn't work this way and the, the, the industry thinks too competitive there's still so much turnover but for each of those individual people to feel comfortable whatever is going on in their head whatever they're thinking about their job the organization getting them a spot to be comfortable enough to say it out loud and to share it with someone and getting the people around them to be comfortable enough to receive it no matter how it compares or contrasts to their own thoughts that's what's going to make us good at the end of the day 
I'm a big believer in that. And all the ideas, the thoughts, the philosophies, the, the processes are established, you know, are going to be as effective as possible when that's in place, you know, just really about activating the workforce and making sure that all those ideas that are kicking around, make it, make it to the table. In our discussions, one of the areas that really has intrigued me is what you talked about as it related to getting rid of the white noise when you're either at bat or pitching. Are there certain mechanisms or is that part of the secret sauce to how people are able to concentrate and not get distracted? Probably a little, uh, a little of both. I think in learning through my own, my own experiences and when, when you have new information, new perspective, new players, you know, it's always, you're, you're, you're always tempted to allow that to have greater influence on the player part aside, but new information from a management standpoint, from, you know, our jobs, it's, you know, it's appreciating the knowledge that comes from the history of the game. And just because something's new doesn't necessarily mean it's additive and making sure that anything that influences the way we operate, that it's, it's been vetted. It's been tested against everything else we already know, you know, through through the history of the game, and that's something over time that that's evolved and have grown more into. And um, whereas, you know, I'd say probably ten years ago or so, you know, it would be a you know something that was intuitive, that was new, you know, some you know integration of new information. I think we would oftentimes give it too much weight, too much influence over what else we had already established. In a way that, like, sometimes is helpful, but oftentimes you'd like it undo and wish you had a little more time to study and analyze some of that that new perspective. And really finding ways to balance, like I said, the history of this game. The game's been around a long time. There's much that's been learned through those experiences and making sure that that's not thrown out just because there's a new particular piece of information that comes in. I don't mean that to suggest being static at the same time, but it's it's making sure that as more and more information and perspective comes in the game, you're, you're disciplined in your application of it and how it integrates with everything else that, that you've learned to, to know over time. Again, though, getting back to that specific, I'm, I'm getting ready to hit a golf ball. Yeah. And you've got yeah. different thoughts. So how do you, yeah. what's that ability to stay focused and not let your mind wander? Oh, my mind will wander all over the place if I try to hit a golf ball. I don't. <laughs> I can't practice. Let's what relate I it to there. hitting a baseball <laughs> or, or the pitcher. Yeah, yeah. That he doesn't have. That's why I'm. That's why I'm doing. That's why I'm. I'm, I'm doing this. So what? What? No, I mean, yeah. just, you have that batter up, and he's yeah. at the plate. How does yeah. he stay focused on the pitch and not thinking about you know, like you mentioned, confidence? How important confidence is. I mean, yeah. and again, it may be different players you have to approach yeah. differently I, in terms of that, but. There's got to be something, some kind of focus that starts it all, some foundation. Yeah, yeah and, and I think it's different for everyone. Look, you, you have to feel there's a preparation component to it. You know, you have to, the confidence is, I mean, some people are naturally confident to just, and, and there's, there's little that can penetrate that. But most people, and especially this level and how much failure there's involved with, with hitting, the, the preparation components are really what breeds that, that confidence ultimately and allows you to go up there with clarity. Um, you know, r- routines are big. A steadiness is something for major league players, finding a steadiness to your day to day is, is critical to that, to that success. You know, the, the, the day to day, and this is the consistency and this applies 
to Kevin Cash and how we approach our day to day. There's a consistency and a trust in our prep that allows us to try to be more stable and to ride things out. I think the same thing certainly for a hitter. You know, and when you go to the plate, it's trusting in your routines. It's not sweating the outcomes of what's ahead. It's impossible. Like everyone does. You know, you're gonna be responsive to what you do each at bat. But so so much of it is, I think, rooted back in the preparation, having routines, and appreciating that you're going to have this and, ex- and and really truly accepting that and 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 believing that that hopefully strips out some of the anxieties that they can come with those moments on the field. The last question, it has to do with alignment. One of the things I found in sports, you know, working is that the owner, the person that runs baseball the manager, they all have to yeah. see it the same way. Uh, yeah. How important do you think that is in terms of the success you've had? I think it's been huge. I, there's no way around it. I, I think we we have people that that get along well, that that care for one another, want to help each other get better, and we all come from different backgrounds and have different experiences before getting to the the roles that we're all in now. And having having respect for that, I think a big proponent of it. I, I don't know how you don't do it if not for that alignment. I think defining alignment and you know, is really important, you know, and where having alignment is most critical, you know, like I said, throughout this, you know, our ideas, and our beliefs are ever changing. And so alignment on a specific philosophy or an approach to a specific area that moves around, you know, <laughs> and um, sometimes when you, you try to define alignment based on that, you kind of box yourself in and <laughs> you know, you're kind of stuck sure. to it. To me, the alignment, a lot of the themes I've talked about, the you know, you look, we're all in jobs. We have a job to do. We have to be able to speak up, share our thoughts. You know, we have to have the strength, I think, that comes with, with doing that. And but with that, it, and a lot of our leaders, it's having that that humility, you know, to to be comfortable being wrong, you know, to, to listen to other people that disagree. That's where our alignment comes in, I think, in many respects, is just the the attitude and the approach that we have to our job more so than a specific philosophy, which frankly, ours, they've they're different, you know, <laughs> like who we are today versus five, 10 years ago is very different. So the alignment piece critical, but I think defining exactly where you want to have alignment, where it, where it is critical and where it's, you know, less important, uh, is, is a big part of that. If that makes sense. No, no, that looks, that, that's, hel- that's helpful. I, I, again, we really appreciate you taking time. Here you are getting ready to, for the playoffs and you're jumped on and, wanted to visit with us. So thank you for the time. Thanks a lot for for having me.